Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. Today, my guest is Nama Shamshaw. Now, unfortunately, Nama's not here due to technical problems. We're going to give her an opportunity to arrive, so please listen to some music. Hello, Nama. Hello, can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can hear you. How Marvelous. are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. And yourself? I'm hanging in there. It's good to hear your voice. Good to be here. <laughs> I'm glad. Let's begin this poetic journey. I'd like to share some information about you, if that's okay. And we'll get started. Yep. All right. Nama Shamshon is a British Moroccan a self-taught writer and poet. Her writing is influenced by her cultural duality. She is interested in female voices in the diaspora, in the diaspora community, excuse me, the challenges they face within both communities and the taboos around mental health within their ancestral communities. The title of her new poetry collection is COVID, The Wordy Walls of a Mind Under Lockdown. A wonderful title. Mayma, again, welcome yes. to the program. Thank you. Pleasure to All be right. here. All right. Let's begin this poetic journey. Mayma, what is poetry? That's what is poetry. I think uh, poetry is, I suppose, like any form of art. It's an expression of our most intimate thoughts, isn't it? You know, whether it's painting, whether it's uh, painting with words, I suppose. We can put it that way. Okay. Painting with words. Talk to me more about painting with words. Painting with words is what it is, is, um, you know, sometimes we are we day-to-day living, modern living, we can feel quite overwhelmed by our thoughts and our emotions. And I think um, a good way to make sense of those thoughts and emotions is sometimes to write through them because then it allows you to dissect each thought and to make sense of what the messages that is coming through, I suppose. 
Yes, I like that. So then, why do we as poets, Neymar, why do we do what we do? Why is poetry important? I think poetry is important because it it is, if you will, it is part of history in the sense that we have writers who document historical events that happen over the years. But what we get with poetry is we get a personal insight into that time. You know, if we look at poetry during the Vietnam War or during the, you know, um, civil rights movement, it is, a, it is giving us personal experiences of that time. And I feel it's the same thing with poetry, that it is a more intimate connection of an experience of a particular time and place. All right. Nicely stated. Please share with me an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power. Gosh, early. I think maybe um, when I was uh, very young, one of the first poems I fell in love with was um, The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner by Samuel Coleridge. And uh, I mean, I love that poetry just because it is a story in a poem and there is redemption and there is loss and there is so many different things that you can glean from that story. And I just thought it was such a powerful piece of poetry. All right. All right. So were there any other experiences, you know, as you move oh, from I mean, there? There are so many, you know, I mean, I love them. Um, <laughs> I love the mystics like Rumi and Omar Kiyam and Khalil Gibran. I, I love the spirituality of their writing and the wisdom all right. I'd like you to tell me about your book. What inspired it? COVID, the wordy walls of a mind under lockdown. What inspired it? Well, I guess what inspired it was COVID. We were all under lockdown. Yeah, and I, I think it was, um, it was a very challenging time for me. I suppose some people learned to cook. Some people started knitting. I started writing. Um, and it was sick. <laughs> It was, a, it was very therapeutic in the sense that I was locked in the house with two angsty teenagers. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm also the main carer for my parents. My father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, so that was mm. quite a lot to um, deal with at the time. And then if that wasn't bad enough, I started menopause. So it kind of felt like I had a lot of things coming at me at once. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to kill my children or I need to start writing because I think that's probably the safer option. Oh, oh Neymar, I need to laugh today, so thank you. <laughs> it, it's been a long life. All right. So when you, you title it, The Wordy Wows of a Mind Under Lockdown, again, that in itself is a mouthful. Tell me more about the title. It is. The title was what it was, was I think I was sitting down and I kind of felt like, you know, sometimes when you're sitting alone with your thoughts and it feels like all your thoughts are coming at you at once and you're struggling yes. to make sense of them. And I mean, that's what it felt like. And it felt like, you know, this is a mindset under lockdown. And it just feels like you kind of like sometimes drift off into the wordy wilds of your mind where you have a thousand and one words coming yes. at you at once. Yes, yes. Talk about some of the book's predominant themes. What do you write about? Well, I think, you know, I touch on um, several themes. Um, as you mentioned, I um, explore themes of duality um, and sort of identity. But I also, you know, cast a glance at, you know, um, modern culture, I guess. I mean, there is a poem there about 
internet experience during lockdown. I mean, I there is also a poem which touches on the uh, rise of um, Trumpism in America. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I was influenced not, necess- uh, not only by the experience of being under lockdown, but certainly by world events around the world. I mean, you know, sort of who, who amongst us can forget, you know, seeing, um, you know, what happened with George Floyd in America. I think yeah. anybody in the world will be able to say, you know, I, I can remember the exact moment I saw that. Oh, wow. Tell me more about the term cultural duality. Cultural duality, I think for me, because as um, my parents were Moroccan immigrants and I was born in London. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up with a traditional Moroccan upbringing and I speak the language, but um, I always felt like kind of like an outsider, if you will. Uh, yeah. I never felt like I was completely accepted as English in the UK. And I went to Morocco. I didn't feel like I was completely accepted there. I was just kind of like, oh, you're from Europe. And mm-hmm. it was, and it was the, I suppose it was the sense of feeling connected to both cultures, but not feeling like you belong completely to either. Mm-hmm. That must have been a power, that's, that sounds so, that would be frustrating to me, to be quite honest. Yeah. Right. Okay. Definitely <laughs> Uh, definitely, it, it is frustrating. <laughs> Even when I go to Morocco and I see people in Morocco, they're like, "Oh, you speak, you speak, um, Daddy's a British accent," and I was like, "Oh God." <laughs> yes, you know, I know what it's like to be in situations where you just feel as if you don't fit in, or whatever reason. Yeah. So I do understand. Now, the format of this show is that I'll ask you a question, then you'll say a poem. Then I'll ask you another question, and then you'll say another poem, and we'll go back and forth, all right? So at this time, I'd like you to share a poem. Okay. No filter. This is me. Here I sit, growing into my age jacket, accepting my invisibility, Rebuking my fragility. Am I irrelevant? Wearing my wrinkles as a sackcloth and ashes. Should I reinvent myself for the applause of the social media masses? Twits. Twittering on Twitter. Showcasing shells on Insta. Scrolling and trolling. Perfecting personas on FB. A photoshopping melee. A bit of airbrushed sadness. I need more because I am less. Filtering faces and not words. Subsisting in, subsisting on praises. Captive in light cages. The eyes that don't see me. The ears that don't hear me. Should I put on my filter and dance to the hollow beat of a digital trance? A pound of flesh under the knife. Erasing evidence of a lived life, backing up my lips last, a fetid heart as a stranger berates me in the looking glass. Are my eyebrows on fleek? Am I scathingly savage enough? Am I too woke or not enough? I log in and await your critique. Let's celebrate the cover and not the book. Post a pic as the panel rates you. Have an opinion 
and we hate you, immersing ourselves in the virtual brook. I have wandered the London streets, donning my fiery and invisibility clothes. Days of the lift, please retreat before dissolving into the city's big smoke. I have sat with Elliot as we shared despair, after shop-worn shared niceties over tea and cakes and ices, exchanging troughs and pieces we laughed and cried, bitching with pouties, waving to Sylvia as we died inside, empty voices filling the space of speech, left lawless faces behind the screen, me out of touch, them out of reach, where reality the virtual scene, I've haunted the void in between. Should I question the truth whilst believing the lie? The horde stops TikTok, famous for 15 minutes, to shock, to rock, to mock, to exhibit without limits. But I am old, and the light in their eyes has died, and he is. Wow. That is an epic poem. What is the purpose of that particular piece, Neymar? I think mean, the purpose of that piece was kind of to examine how we interact with each other, where certainly on social media platforms, it's all about the surface. Okay. Give me a little bit more then, about you know, that. And I think, you know, sort of um, during lockdown was a very difficult time on um, on social media platforms. I'm sure a lot of people can identify where it was just kind of full of conflict and people bickering and being really quite <laughs> horrible to each other. And I think, you know, we saw some of the the worst elements of, of humans during that period. And I, I think, you know, it just saddened me that, you know, people were more worried about being savage or being scathing or not being a pushover when, you know, what was more important was human kindness and being able to connect with one another. And I felt that somehow got lost during that period. Well, you know, I agree. You know, in many of the websites that I visited and I read the comments, the comments that people write about each other are so terrible. The comments that people write about races are so terrible. And it makes yeah. you not want to read the comments because it only, well, for me, it upset me so. It really, they yeah, really, really exactly do. That. Yes, they really do. I just don't understand it. As you just said, the civility that people show each other is just not there. Yeah. It's just not there. Now, when you write poetry, Neymar, does it hurt you to write poetry? If not, why not? I think, you know, definitely. I mean, it doesn't hurt all the time. Sometimes, you know, these are poems that have been inspired by joyous occasion or by a loving occasion. Like there are a few mm -hmm. poems in my collection about my children. Um, so, you know, I think it, it depends on the piece. I mean, if it's a piece where it has been a painful experience or it is still quite a painful memory, then yes, it is painful. I mean, like I'm, I've written a few pieces about my father's battle with Alzheimer's and those are very mm -hmm. painful pieces for me to write. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm wondering, who are the writers 
thinkers, readers, human beings who inspire or inspire you to write? Oh, goodness me, there's so many. Certainly, um, T.S. Eliot is, you know, I absolutely adore T.S. Eliot's work. But, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I I mean, I enjoy enjoy poets like Rumi and Hafiz and Omar Mm -hmm. Khayyam and um, Khalil Gibran. But then, you know, I also... You know, I, I, I love, um, you know, Alec Baldwin. I mean, his work is absolutely phenomenal. I could just read him all day, you know. All right. All right. Now, during the selection process for your book, how did you decide which poems to choose? Gosh, you know, that was a, that was a tough one. I think, you know... Initially, I just had a whole lot of them because I am terrible at edits. Because, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you know as a writer yourself, when you write a piece, you know, all of your pieces are dear to you and they're all like your baby. So, yes. I just cut any. Yes. <laughs> it is a, a real, real hurt to be. Um, I just, you know, so I, I had enough for a collection and I just sent all of them, to be honest. But then, you know, when I was working with my editor, Quite a few of them were cut where my editor told me that he felt certain pieces didn't work with the collection and I was happy to follow his advice since he certainly had a lot more experience with this than I did. All right. So in terms of organizing the poems in the book, are they primarily sections, chapters? How do you do that? I mean, you know, if it, I mean, it's a poetry collection, so I don't really do sections or chapters. I just, okay. sort of, you know, list them, list them as poems, yes. I mean, uh, I'm, you know, working on a novel at, at the moment, and that would be obviously in chapters, maybe even sections. All right, all right. Please share another piece of poetry. Um, limbo. Stricker callings. A convoy in the shadows. Constant and ever-present. A home, but not a home. Anointing my edges. Still, I fit nowhere. Here, my name is foreign. My appearance is questioned. But where are you from originally? Probes Goldilocks, cornfields in her hair. I have reconciled with the damp, dark streets, pierced by dimples of obtrusive artificial light, illuminating an artificial pond, the dry wit and caustic humour the sarcasm, the armour we wear, the sleazy sullied snickers of bawdry backstreet jokes, the women who reject gazing at the floor, audaciously holding his stare. Jingle off from a busy life, the busy lives of others filtering into our busy breaths, in the darkened alcoves, in desolate cubicles of existence, Sartre echoed, you are in bad company. Flattering coffee shops amid sips of acrid arabica, the inane monologues on current affairs, clandestine consultations, temporary respite, soaked in caffeine and bus pastries. London calling, and enthralling. Is the home of a letter, the keys of Presented the illusion of belonging without belonging, of solitude, natural sleeping. There, my name is familiar. I appear using with the 
share with you that it was difficult to hear every word due to our transatlantic connection. You were fading in and out. But from what I hear, you speak with such emotion in your voice. Thank you. And there's a there is a conviction when you share that is that is palpable. Now, do you think that a person can be called a poet if they don't feel strong emotions? I think, you know, uh, probably not. I mean, uh, it's not a matter of, I suppose, whether you strong emotions. I think, you know, probably we, 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 are, all, we are all capable of strong emotion. I think it's, um, a poet is one who knows how to express that emotion and to revoke an emotional response from their reader, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give me some more. I like that. I like what you just said. Expand on that. You know how I am. Expand on that. Well, I mean, you know, as a, as a writer, you have to tap into um, some of your darkest thoughts. And I've, I've certainly written pieces where I felt very raw and very exposed because it has been brutally honest. 
but and mm. I think you know so we do tap into deep emotions uh, but it's how well we are able to express them are we able to express the, the magnitude of that emotion that we're, we are feeling with enough with enough skill mm-hmm. to uh, evoke the same emotion from the person who is reading the person gets the essence of what you're trying to convey yeah i agree you know my next question was going to be has a poem you've written ever humbled or frightened you i think you know um there is a poem, yeah, that I wrote that kind of humbled me and frightened me because I, I said it was, it was a piece that was brutally um, honest. Um, and, and it was a, it was, it was a long piece that I wrote actually. <laughs> so it's one that I've entered into a poetry competition, and it was kind of like a response to the love song of Al- old J. Alfred Prufrock, but from a, fe- but from a female point of view. All right, would you mind sharing it with us? I mean, I, I, sure, yeah. I mean, it's a yes. long piece, but I'm happy That's to okay. share it. I mean, it's yes. very candid. That's okay. That's okay. what we do. Uh, I'll just bring that up now then. <laughs> you know, there's a storm here in Washington, D.C., a very major okay. thunderstorm. I, yes, that's actually covering the East Coast. So if oh, there is. Wow. Yes, transatlantic differences, or excuse me, difficulties, <laughs> primarily, probably primarily due to the storm. Got the poem? Yes, I'm ready. After Alfred, a response to the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. This is how we stay, you and I, when the dying sun bleeds into the sky. Amongst the rainbow organized butter, amber air, Filtering through the shutters, murmured discourse from the coffee table, as voices tenderly cosied like silken tables, romanced by the rapture of the evening thralls, a flirty festival death to the imam's cause, the grandiosity of Moroccan village, ugly without encroachment, darkness. Sifting into the room, a tajin ashtray with smoky plumes. In Tasra, women's impact, walking of victory in the World Cup, falling through the stacked stores of the stalk, as dust nestled before settling on our skin, the must and cooked air, our clothes sinking, trauma and the serpent. Armed by the police, down dehydrated alleys and lumpy footpaths, who silently spy imperialistic epitaphs, the sunny fingers we poke through the arches, rubbing against our faces as strategically arches. Surely there is not time for the internal souls fully express the elation that rebukes the world and breath. There is never enough time, clawing at our arms and bearing its hands, ebbing humanity that lingers in turn. There is never enough time, consume all the joys, face forces whose gluttony only destroys. Time, put the world to rights over airplay, 
stay in the pastoral women's hockey camp, taking a victory in the World Cup. There is not enough time to answer the beautiful fan on the existence that felt like a sham to wonder when the wave first landed in the ice corner. Mother Earth, to embrace that ecstasy in my pulse, to say, 
I am Aphrodite, my raging tide, the gods of love. Cliché, age mockingly stickers, amongst thy paintbrushes, some finished tableaus, water in the jar, tinged with plum, the way you always place your hand behind your back. The other moves across the canvas like a bird in flight, simultaneously falls and strike dumb. You are somewhere else, in the contours, only an artist knows. Glimpses of joy and sorrow, colours, where we spoke only in the tongue of the land of our mothers. Our clothes tossed on the floor, the eyes who lap up and saw. Catalogue of mannerisms we saw. I pleaded with kind, and most of saw. Christmas looms. And festivity finds no place in my will. Perhaps frenzy buying and gluttonous eating. Not obliviously pass me by. I just sit really still, delible as greetings. The artist's so banished under the stairs. Seems to soothe me, my slovenly lack of care. Haunting me with descent into old age. I am so tired, a fool out of rage. Should I fritter away my kittens on age wine cream, popping silicone, eating superfood, and drinking green tea? I dismay at my wearied and sagging eyes, pray my breast no longer shuns gravity, finds unrelenting, harsh reality. He does not wait for me. Walking among the beasts, our steps tickling the tide, my back-pressing hands dusted in the salt of the sea, me in a straw hat, and the sun in our eyes. I would spend it all, probably all, night and day, wildly laughing in the face of advancing grey. If I thought, thank you, Another epic piece. How long did it take you to craft that particular poem? Oh, gosh, how long did it take me? I think maybe a couple of days. Just a couple of days? <laughs> oh. <Yes>. <laughs> I guess I was thinking maybe a month <laughs> or longer with, the, with the, 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 the level of detail that you included. Thank you. It was something that just kind of like popped into my mind and I kind of just sort of followed the trail. Well, that's a question that I ask. Do you lead the poem or does the poem lead you? Often I think that it is the poem that leads me. I mean, there are times where I sit down and I consciously try to write and the, um, and the lines just don't flow as freely as I would like them to, whereas... When the poem comes to me, it's like it'll give me a thread, maybe the first line or even maybe the first two lines, and then I'll write them down, and the mind just starts churning and throwing up all sorts of alternatives. What's the next line? All right, all right. Please share with me the titles of five poems in your book. Okay, the title of five poems. Okay. Just any, any five poems. 
Sure. Okay. Uh, one is On the Grind. <laughs> one is called The Unmoored Moor. One is called Auntie. One is called Food Bank. And one is called The Imposter. All right. I'd like to know, what role do you feel a title should play in a poem? What should you consider when you're titling a poem? Gosh, uh, I think you consider how, how it connects to the poem itself. I mean, uh, that's certainly for me, you know, I will read through the poem over and over again, and then I will try to think what word or what title do I think best fits the piece of work. So for you, the, the poem comes first? Yes, always the, the poem comes first. And then I will, I, I mean, there are times when I will leave a poem without a title for, for a long time, which is frustrating because then it's just listed as an untitled document and then when you try to find it again you have to sift loads of untitled documents so i do try to give them them titles as as soon as possible so they don't get lost with everything else (laughs) what do you think Nama, makes your poetic voice different from others what makes it different i think you know is i offer um I offer a, a dual perspective, I think, mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. world because you know, I mean, I I speak to people, and it, it, it is the experience of one that has heritage in another country or another continent, but that mm-hmm. is immersed in Western culture, and um, you know, and our view is never completely, I suppose, in. For myself, even as I um, describe myself as British, I think there is always a part of me that doesn't quite feel like I'm 100% British, if you know what I mean. Yes. You know, when you share again, I can feel the, the dissonance, the cognitive dissonance that yes. goes along with being in two worlds. Yeah. I mean, definitely. And, you know, I mean, I think, you know, some of my poems, they tackle sort of cultural taboos. They tackle, they tackle you know, some kind of hard-hitting um, uh, things. Because, you know, there, there is a lot to love about Moroccan culture. And there, but there are also, you know, certain aspects of it that I dislike, you know, sort of certain level of patriarchy and male dominance within that culture. And, you know, so, and these are certainly things that I explore in my poetry as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that brings up another question you did not include because of fear to potential misinterpretation? For me, I don't think so. You know, I'm, I'm, I like to think that, you know, sort of my pieces have enough clarity that they would not be misinterpreted. So I, there aren't any pieces that I didn't include. I mean, there are pieces that were in the book that were taken out, but um, I, I think generally most of my pieces, I, 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 I think, you know, they're, they're an honest reflection of what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if we probably concerned ourselves too much with how they would be received, I think we'd never put anything out there. That's true. That's true. I mean, I love that philosophy. That's true. So they say, Neymar, 
that to see the world with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, artists, and poets. What do you think emerges naturally from your work? What emerges from you, Neymar, when you write? I think uh, what emerges from, from me is, you know, that probably essence, I suppose, in all of us, the feeling that, you know, we, we, we just want to belong and we want mm. to connect with each other, not just as individuals, but as a collective, as humanity. All right. You know, I, I, there's so much as we've shared that's happening in this world, the good, the bad, the ugly, as well as the indifferent. There's so much going on. What I'd like to know from you is, what do you view as being the role of a poet in modern-day society? I think, you know, in modern-day society, you know, um, the role of a poet, I suppose, just like, you know, in um, society, a comedy or satire comedy where we offer, um, you know, we offer commentary on the, our, our, our current environment. And I think it's the same with poetry in that it is, it's not a factual um, account of what is happening, but it is a human experience of what is happening, which is mm-hmm. something you don't get, say, in history books or in newspaper articles. You get to experience the emotional journey through that experience. Wow. Please share another poem. Thank you. Uh, On the Grind. Dressed in the threads of adulthood, forging the bonds that bind, together in troubled times, when you can't see past the wood, harvesting and investing, Delayed gratification, grafting out of your station. Consume time without digesting. Dreams of someday. Get your foot on the property ladder. Save on indulgences and work harder. All work and no play. Put in the hours to rise. A promotion or bonus for Jack. Greasing the cogs to pick up the slack. Strangled by the tie that ties. Grind your bones to make his bread. In a suit suited for ambition. Silence, mental health, attrition. There is no success for the dead. Sacrifice for the future. Feather your pension to cushion the blow. Retire abroad in a rustic chateau. Either down for the stupor. A partner to shoulder the burden, a mortgage to swallow your labor, life's force fueling the conveyor, together picking out curtains. Thank you. Wow. Now the storm must be over because that came through loud and clear. (laughs) No, (laughs) No technical difficulties at all. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. I really like hearing you read. Now, what is my question now? Knowing what you know, Nama, about poetry, is poetry letting a wall down or building a guard? Oh, absolutely. It's letting a wall down because, you know, uh, a poet is only as good 
as how truthful and, and emotionally active he is. You know, and we are, we ha you have to be emotionally honest with yourself. So definitely is taking the walls down and it is, um, and it is opening up maybe some of our most intimate thoughts and emotions to mm -hmm. an audience mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and wow. saying, listen, you know what, this is how I'm feeling. And there are people out there that will be able to resonate with that feeling and think, you know what, I'm not the only person that feels this way. This makes mm -hmm. sense to me. I connect with this. Yes. You know, again, everything that you're stating, I believe in, you know, that you're not the only one that feels this way. Being able to normalize a situation and the vehicle for that normalization is poetry. I think that's huge. I think that's huge. Absolutely. Yes, because to me, that helps build the bridge in terms of empathy and relationships. As I share, <laughs> I'll share one more time, that in terms of empathy, if you can't understand another person's story in totality, attempt to resonate with the feelings that go along with that story. There's a universal commonality in terms of our feelings. So when a person shares their work, whether orally or if it's in a written fashion, if they talk about their feelings, that will help build that bridge in terms of us coming together as one. Uh, I, I strongly believe that 100%. No, this is how now, we connect with other people. Yes. You know, you mentioned the word clarity earlier, which brings up accessibility. What I'd like to know is, should one employ a lot of mental energy to solve a poem? Gosh, that is an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, you know, if you look at, say, something like the wasteland, I mean, you need a lot of mental energy to decipher that because it is just so rich with literary references and, and you know, so, I mean, the first time I read it, I couldn't make sense of, uh, I'd say, probably most of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I had to be furnished by my teacher with the skills and how to sort of uh, understand the, the symbolism and the references and everything else. So, uh, but, so... Uh, should it should it be overcharged with kind of hidden symbolism and meaning? I I would say no, but then but then again, you know, so much it's charged with that. But again, it's, a, it's still a magnificent poem. So mm -hmm. you know, it's a bit of a bit of both. I think I think sometimes you know there should be clarity, and other times it's kind of fun to play with words and just but not necessarily tell. You know, when you talk, there is a level of self-awareness that, that you give off, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so what do you think, as a poet, is the first step to becoming more self-aware? I think, you know, the first step to becoming more self-aware is just being emotionally honest with yourselves. Because, okay. you know, so many times, you know, we are in denial with our own selves about yes. certain aspects of ourselves, you know, whether it's kind of a negative behavior that we repeat over and over again, and you always get the same outcome. Mm -hmm. um, I think once you are emotionally honest with yourself and say, you know what, this, I can see 
that these actions are not productive to my mental well-being or I can see that this behavior is not conducive to my growth then you start then I definitely you are more aware mm-hmm. oh wow great <laughs> what were the key challenges you faced when writing this book gosh what was the key challenges um I think probably just finding the time to write because I mean like I right. my children were still living at home at that time I was right. also um, a full-time care for my parents, and I think, it, uh, and then with work as well. I think it was really just finding the time and the peaceful kind of space which would allow me to create and think. Mm-hmm. So, how did you deal with the emotional impact of this book? And any tips for aspiring writers dealing with the emotional impact of a very heavy book sometimes? It's balanced, but heavy as well. Yeah. I think how do you deal with the emotion? You, you accept it as, you know, an emotional experience, but one that, you know, raises many important issues. Like, you know, in, um, in, in Limbo, I address, the, uh, I, I address the issue of, you know, sort of gender inequality and gender roles and, you know, in um, my, another poem, Brown Trip, I um, I address the issue of racism, and um, um, I, I mean, a couple of my poems, these are uh, po- these are issues that are addressed and explored in the work. So I think definitely that that is probably how you are emotionally honest with yourself, and you convey a message that you think others will listen to and say, okay, yes, it's heavy, but this is there is an important message here for us. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, when we see terrible cities or, or uh, experiences on the news, um, yes, you know, it, it is sometimes heavy going, but, the, uh, but at the same time, we need to know, we need to be connected to the world around us and world events and what is happening uh, around us because obviously once we are aware, we are best placed act against okay. certain things in the world that are, are only making life harder for us. I'm certainly talking about certain governments, certain ra- uh, racist institutions, things like that. Mm-hmm. So are you saying that poets should be required because we live in a flux-filled world to write about these issues? I don't think that they they are required to uh, write about those issues. I think that, you know, it depends on the poet. You know, if you are somebody who is, you know, actively interested in world events and the world around you, then certainly these are things that will come out in your work if it is something that, because I understand, you know, I have friends who say to me, you know, I off the TV. I'm not watching the news anymore because it's so depressing. So I do understand that. I understand that there are some people that just want to switch off because it just feels sometimes it just feels like it's nothing but bad news. So mm-hmm. for people who do, do not who are not necessarily interested in these things, I mean, then their message will be something else. Whether it's um, whether they are exploring pain or or joy or whatever it is that whatever message it is that they want to convey all right so with this book are you hoping 
it will resonate with a broad range of readers or target a specific audience? No, I think I'm hoping that it will resonate with a broad range of readers, not just necessarily people who are from the diaspora community, but people from across the, across the board. Because, you know, how do we learn to live in harmony with each other unless we, are, we expose ourselves to the thought process and the emotions and the experience of others? Oh. Naima, are you a professor as well? No. <laughs> <laughs> because I take one of your classes. <laughs> I'm a professor, a retired one, but I know another professor when I hear one. <laughs> <laughs> You're great. So if you had to give any advice to your readers prior to reading COVID, the wordy walls of a mind under lockdown, what would you tell them? They're in the store to pick up the book. What would you say? I'd say pick up a copy and read one and you will not be disappointed. It is a very varied experience and the title COVID, the wordy wires of the of a mind under lockdown refers not to COVID itself, but to a global experience, one that we all shared. And in that respect, I feel that it will resonate with all readers. All right. <laughs> you know, let's imagine for a moment that a poem is like a cake, all right? A cake that you bake. What are some of the most prevalent ingredients that go into the concoction we call a poem for you? What needs to go into it? For me, I, I would say certainly I like to work with the senses. So when I'm writing poetry, I like to create visual imagery. I, some, I will refer to maybe smells or sounds or, or, or touch or how something feels. You know, and I, I think, you know, these are the kind of, I mean, because our senses are receptive to expression. I mean, they are, they, you know, when we are in a beautiful place. We, we are we are uplifted, and, and you know when we are in a negative space, we, we feel you know we we feel dragged down. And I think definitely I like to sort of weave these into my words, where I can create an image and maybe transport the reader into that experience. You know, I think you're my sister from another mother, because. <laughs> <laughs> I, too, focus on the senses because living in this life, sometimes your senses can be dulled due to what you experience. And poetry can help you rediscover them. That's what I believe. I could oh, be wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we're entering the my favorite part of the program. I view it as being a mini, M-I-N-I, poetry concert. This is an opportunity for you to share two or three of your works without interruption from me, back to back, okay? Okay. You're on the stage. The back of the ball, waiting to be picked, the popularity prefect, bringing relief or dread. If you're from somewhere else, you won't be chosen unless. You can help them win. My chances are slim. 
I am nobody's first pick. The eyes that replay, the intolerance served at home. Tati will choose me. She's a shoo-in, putting all her power behind the bat. The ball's breaking impact as it soars high above their heads, light as air. Hattie says, we've got to have each other's backs. We're all foreigners here. Occasionally accepted as friends, anger brings the bad words, reserved for the brown hordes, inspired by the angry man on TV, canned laughter, key, key, key. She says, bun that crap, we are people too. Dangling acceptance, playground power plays that stalk the days. The face of imperialism, mirrored in the shallow pool of family schism. Happy, a rapid dark Facing towards space, winning for Thank you. And, uh, Mapping the void. It is strange that one should feel so empty when the anatomy is stacked with life-enabling components. Where does one find the emptiness? Does it survive in chambers of the heart, expanding with every sight until the seams tear apart? Maybe in the lungs, asphyxiating the bronchioles, squeezing out breath as you gasp and breathe. Perhaps. In the mind, laying waste to the limbic nose, extinguishing sparks of hope as you wade through the dark, where emptiness finds a home, a thirsty drop trickling into the briny deep, swaying the tide of the sea, quenched by our humanity, the shadows sustained by the light. Sometimes crashing against shores, others cooling our toes, occasionally rising like sea foam. Thank you. All right. Wow. <laughs> Did you have another? Did you have another? Yes. Okay. Yes, this is the last. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> Round trip. Bury on the radio with the young Americans, the children of Woodstock, dancing to glam rock, the new kids on the block, here to hamper the old guard's plan, the children of the revolution, flipping over tables, emerging out of the sable of the shadow of war, on the values of yore, with tie-dyed solutions. A jubilant Generation X, born into free love and contraception, consciously tripping on introspection, parading placards to the apex. Now, the cat with the cream, tabling corporations, 
completely immersed, putting America first, free love, grubbly immoral, drugs, the sin of the amoral, begrudging in MAGA hats, rejecting the fake facts, the tangerine you, old guard of the grump generation, angry anarchist to judge, once believing and idealistic, now disbelieving and realistic. Their bruised noses purple as they come full circle, disillusioned and resentful, conservative and fundamental. Feeling spontaneous scorn, they have all our heroes gone, nursing a grey diseased blood, an ill wind of blustery blather rolls over the matters that matter. The obedient old Americans silencing the young Americans. Oh, <laughs> what a wonderful writer you are. Thank you. <laughs> it's true. I'm too old to lie. What a wonderful writer you are. And again, you speak with such conviction. What is the relationship, Neymar, between your speaking voice and your written voice? Gosh, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think you know it's one and the same voice in the in the sense that when I am writing, I kind of speak the words in my mind just to see how the flow is. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do you participate in open mics in your community? I do. I mean, I I do I do some here in in London whenever I get whenever I get the time to attend. I love to attend open mics. Um, I love um, performing to an audience, and I do quite a few um, international uh, via oh, wow. Zoom. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> you were made for the stage. I can tell. I can tell. I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> well, you know, if you, you told me that, um, if you told me this five years ago, I would have said you were you were absolutely out of your mind. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I said this to my son. I said, you know, if you told me, you know, uh, in my fifties, I'd be standing up performing <laughs> open mic to an old audience. I, I would have said you were crazy. Well, <laughs> things happen when they're supposed to. You know, do you yes, they do, do your do you do your do you view your ability to write poetry as a creative gift or creative art? Oh, gosh, I think it is both. I think it is a creative gift, certainly, because, you know, um, you know my, my, my sister has always, since I was a very young child, she's always um, been very encouraging and, so, uh, and always believed that I had a gift for writing. I didn't necessarily always believe it myself. And I, I know it's something, I mean, I've always enjoyed writing since I was a very young child, whether it was short stories or poems, it's always been a passion of mine. I think it's something that uh, I kind of left behind once I got married and had children and mm-hmm. it kind of took a back seat. But it was nice to sort of kind of reconnect with that side of myself again during lockdown. All right. Do you think you were meant to be a poet? Oh, do I think I was meant to be? You know, to be honest, I don't think I was meant to be. Uh, uh, at this stage, I am still pinching myself that I, <laughs> that I didn't be published. I still, I still can't believe it. So, uh, 
Well, let me ask this question. What surprises you most about being a poet? You know, what, what surprised me most, I, I think, is the writing community. I've absolutely loved connecting with the, uh, with the writing community, not just here in London, but from around the war world, because they are such an amazing bunch of people and they are so supportive of your art. And, you know, and like when you're having sort of moments of doubt or anything, they, they are just an amazing bunch of people. And I've, I've called them my second family now, because I mean, I've just, uh, that was one of the hidden gems of being a writer. Yes, connecting I agree. with other writers. Yes. Uh, the, the pandemic, COVID, or the pandemic changed everything, and Zoom, <laughs> oh, oh, it's hard to live without Zoom now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Gosh, you know. <laughs> what do you think, Naima, you learned about yourself writing COVID, the wordy walls of a mind under lockdown? What have I learned about myself? I've learned that I should probably, you know, not be so hard on myself and just start mm-hmm. giving myself a little bit more credit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Would you mind favoring us with one more before we go? Just one more. Okay, well, I'm going to give you one of my more recent poems. Okay. And this, I suppose this was kind of like a homage to um, poets, I guess. Mm-hmm. This is Chasing Poets. I gazed into fields and blades of grass. My bones felt cold, but one was so proud. So fleeting, eternal England. I felt sorrowfully, expand, surprised. Run! 
the trailing voices of the land, the jeweling, the songless dreams. Affronted, I love him this first, pulling up life's neck and gross worth, desecrating the temple of the earth, and then cut it and pass on its tent. Dark conscience, the petty tent, still your presence. The life is the living, company of the heart giving. The choice of Jinnah, of the Thank you. <laughs> Mama, what do you want your poetry to do? Where do you want it to go? Where do I want it to go? I want it to reach as many people as possible and for as many people to feel touched and moved by by my pieces as possible right you know writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons some write primarily to speak a message to their audience others write because staying silent is not an option so when you really think about it why do you write why do i write i think you know it's probably a combination of us i write because I absolutely love writing, you know, I've okay. always enjoyed writing. Um, uh, but uh, for me to write as in when I'm uh, writing a manuscript, what prompts me to write is that I feel that there is maybe a song, if you, for want of a better word, a song in my heart that needs to be expressed and mm-hmm. one that I feel will find resonance with a lot of people. Mm. You know, we've reached the end of our poetic journey, but I want to thank you so much. You know, <laughs> once we settled in <laughs> and the storm passed, your work is phenomenal. And I can't wait thank to you. hear you when there are no technical difficulties. Let's hope so next time. <laughs> and that's, that brings up another point. I'd like to invite you to come back. Maybe in the oh, summer. Thank you. That's very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> would you would you come back? Absolutely. Your right, right. company has been an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. How can people how can the listeners find you, Neymar? Well, my uh my book is available on um Micropress, uh, my publisher's website, but also at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Waterstone, and most good poetry retailers. And uh, if you want to find me, I am N Shamshun on um, Facebook and on Insta and Twitter. All right. Next time I'll pronounce your name correctly. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What's next for you? Where do you go creatively from here? Well, at the moment, I'm currently sending out my second manuscript, and I am finishing my third manuscript, which is oh. one that I I wrote most of in Morocco because I um I was in Morocco a month ago and I was doing some networking with my book and I made some wonderful connections with creatives in Morocco. But um, you know, the beauty and the scenery was just so inspiring. I just I was writing like mad. So that, that is my third collection, which is a, a Morocco-themed um, collection. But um, I'm, I've pretty much completed that collection as well, and I will be sending that out um, soon. And I'm also still working on my novel. 
Whoa. Now, were you in Marrakesh? I was in Marrakesh, but I was all <laughs> over the place, to be honest. Oh, right. It was um, one of those uh, trips where I, <laughs> I, didn't still, I didn't stay still for very long. I think I must have uh, used about a week of that of my holiday just traveling from place <laughs> to place. <laughs> well, that's a place I've always wanted to visit was Morocco. Well, <laughs> I really don't want to let you go, but I've got to. So, <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, listening audience. <laughs> COVID, the wordy walls of our mind. Million dollar seller. And also, as you know, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. All right, take care, everybody. Bye, Neymar. Bye. <laughs> Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com.